Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the In Lockdown With podcast with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is Perry Thomas. Hi Perry, how's things? Not bad at all, thank you Kieran, how are you? I'm good, I'm okay. How's, how's lockdown going for you? Oh, good question. Uh, well, uh, it's, it's, um, it's strange isn't it? It's very... Uh, I think it's a bit of a roller coaster, really. Um, I mean, at the begin, just before lockdown, um, a lot of my work had come to an end and, that, um, mm. and was ca- was being cancelled. So I got myself a job, a part-time job in Morrison. So I'll be doing that for three months now. So my life has changed quite a lot in the last uh, since lockdown, really. Um, oh. And yeah, and my my sister's son, my nephew Kamer, is living with us as well. Right. Um, so, um, so, that, so yeah, lots of things have changed in the last few months. Um, and it's, it's quite interesting when I talk to people about it, every time I speak to someone, I, I realise more and more how different our individual lockdown experiences have been. Yeah. Um, do you know what I mean? I mean, how is it? How are you finding it? I, I'm finding it okay. Like, it's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. It's just kind of like, for me... I think it helps to just try and keep doing things every day and trying to have something on the calendar that you're doing. And this is really helping these podcasts to motivate me and get me to be doing creative things. I bet Morrison's is really hectic though. Yeah, it can be. I mean, I'm quite lucky because I'm, I'm a picker. I don't know if you've ever heard of a picker-packer. Right. So I work in the home delivery department. Um, so people, lots more people are booking their food. They're shopping online now. Um, so there's a big team of us that go out with yellow trolleys and you have to um, pack up all their, their shopping lists and, and then put them in the in the warehouse ready for the, for the vans to take yeah. out. So I, I do feel like I'm doing something really positive. I, I feel like... Um, you know, as well as making sure I get a little bit of income, which is obviously very important. Mm. Um, it's also just, I do feel like it's it's a, an important job. But yeah, a lot of my friends have said to me that they think, you know, I must be mad or that I'm very mm. brave. I, I don't think I'm brave. I just think I'm just, like you kind of said, I'm just trying to do something and it, it keeps me busy. It gives me a bit of a routine. Right. Um, okay. Because, yeah, losing all my freelance artist work just... Yeah, that, that overnight, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to start at the very beginning. Like, this is a question that I ask to every guest on this podcast. 
But how did you first get interested in theatre and the arts? Okay, uh, I probably, I'll, I would imagine, I would think of this chronologically. So when I was three, <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise I won't go through every single year. Uh, but when I was three, I begged my mother to let me go to tap dancing classes. And I just wanted to perform. I always wanted to perform. Um, and, uh, you know, I went to Sunday school. I was in all the Sunday school shows. Uh, in all the school plays, I just thought that that was the best thing ever. If I was in a play, if I was in a show or any kind of performance or presentation, I was just in my element. So um, I was really, really lucky to be able to go to tap tap classes. And then um, I I joined the um, the local pantomime society when I was about probably about nine or ten. Uh, and I was in a few of the pantomimes because I was brought up in Pembroke Dock, so uh, right. I was really fortunate. There were lots of, yeah, back in the eighties, there were um, things you could, you know, get involved in. And um, they didn't have a youth theatre actually. So as a teenager, a lot of my um, theatre um, experience and ideas and you know inspirations were were often coming from school. Um, but um, so yeah, I didn't have a youth theatre, so I kind of missed out on that. I did do like a, a, a I think it was like a two-week course in the Stackpole Centre. Oh, was right. about fourteen or fifteen, um, which I had to audition for. I remember doing that, um, and that was like um, three counties. So it was when David, so like you know, it was David at one point. So like Pembrokeshire, Carmarthenshire, Cardiganshire, mm. Ceredigion. Um, so th- some young people got. Um, had to uh, auditioned and then got to be on this two-week uh, residential. Um, so of course, you know, the, the Stackpole Centre is such an awesome venue. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was just great to to be there. And that's that's kind of when I realised that new theatre was a thing. So and it was just like a one-off mini project. Um, but yeah, I mean, we used to have TIE companies coming into my primary school. I was going to say, was this at the time when? There were TIE companies in Wales that used to kind of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did I that inspire in, you? Yeah, I don't remember it in secondary school, but definitely in primary. In uh, I went to Penerinfants and Penerinfants School, and I remember being in Penerinfants. I was probably about eight, and there was this production. I'm afraid I don't know who did it, but it was called Bubble Being, and there was this um, massive like bubble-type uh, thing in the hall and when we went we got taken on a journey around the outside of the school and when we got back the bubble had opened and there was a, a female performer that had come out of the bubble i think she was like an alien or <laughs> and i just thought this was magical how on earth she had you know been burst from this bubble i couldn't get my head around i just thought it was amazing um, but that's it i remember that vividly i wonder who did it i wonder if anyone will know and <laughs> let you know but yeah that was back in the yeah mid 80s and, and um, when and did so when did you kind of start to think this is what i want to do I want to be a performer. When did you see it as something that you wanted to do as a career? I think forever, King. I just feel like you know, from the minute I got into a tap dancing show and they put yellow feathers on my head, so I don't know what it was. Uh, but I just remember thinking, oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm mm. going to, I'm going to just be. 
English and I you know I, I didn't really know how other than to just get involved in everything and anything I could and I was really really lucky that my parents supported me mm. and were able to support me uh, to do things I did still feel I think I was always aware particularly in my teens that when you live in in Pembrokeshire or in Pembroke specifically that's my own experience um as I say there wasn't there wasn't as much going on down there. I always felt like, you know, it, or if I could, if I was in Swansea, you know, maybe I could be like Catherine Zeta Jones because there's the Grand Theatre. Yeah. Or if I lived in Cardiff, you, you know, you, I always had these ideas that there would be, there were things happening in bigger mm. places. And, you know, Pembroke Dock is like the last train station at the end of the line. You know, you can go from Paddington to Pembroke Dock. Uh, it'll yeah. take you a long time. Uh, but if you go any further, you know, you drop into the sea or you're getting on the ferry to Ireland. So you, I think there is a feeling, personally, anyway, I always felt that you were at the end of the world down there. Um, but I was really lucky to just have, you know, my parents' support. Um, and also just always saying yes to ev- anything and everything. I always used to want, you know, if there was a show mm. on, or if I would always keep my ears open, you know, what's going on, or can I audition? Do you have to pay? How can I get there? Because like, we didn't have a car and things. <laughs> I used to just be always getting lifts with friends. Was that because there weren't many opportunities available to you? Like, it didn't come along very often because of your geographic location in Pembroke? I, I would say so, and yeah, and because our family didn't have a car, um, I mean, I'm talking about Pembrokeshire, if anyone's listening, they'll think, well, that's crazy because you've got the Torch Theatre in Lovebirds and, you know, it's a fantastic theatre and, um, you know, they've got a youth theatre and maybe they even had one then. But when you're, when you live in Pembroke Dock and you don't have a car and you're either a child or a young teen and, you know, Milford Haven is really far away. I think there's lots of park places in Wales, isn't there, where you can be nearby, but mm. if you're not in the town centre itself where that thing happens then you may as well be in London because you're not going to be able to get there yeah absolutely. yeah and that's such a problem for even now so many young actors who are still coming through don't have the access to yeah. those things near where they live um yeah. and you you went to Aberystwyth University yeah, yeah, Aberystwyth University. So so by that point, I, I uh, was determined to pass my test at 17, so I had a little car. Uh, yeah. And my first choice university was Aberystwyth because it was two hours away, but uh, but not too far away because a bit of a home bird as well, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I went to Aberystwyth and studied drama. And as, um, you know, as you know, uh, Sarah Jones and I met there in Freshers' Week um, and uh, went on to, you know, be best friends and yeah. um, to eventually set up Mess of the Mess then in 2005. How, that, that kind of friendship, which developed into a, a creative relationship with Sarah, how did that kind of start? Was there, was there did you make work together initially? Or, because Sarah was saying when I spoke to her, that you didn't really work together until second year. Am I getting that um, right? Collaboratively, uh, yes, she's probably right. I th- I think um, we, yeah, probably the second year. I think she stage managed the Beggars Opera, um, 
and I was performing in it. So we that was probably the first thing we did together. My memory serves me. Oh, you're testing me now, Kieran. I can't <laughs> I feel like Sarah's going to say, no, it's actually this. On this date. <laughs> um, that was probably the first time we'd worked on a project together like that. But, um, but yeah, in the third year, we lived together. Um, and, mm. uh, I mean, Sarah was very much taking a, a director route. Um, at that stage certainly and I but I had always had in my head that I wanted to perform um and once I got into I think we both kind of got into devising um mm. and that was a way that we could start working together then um we 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 did a devised piece of work so when the um so in Aberystwyth Arts Centre as it is now have you been up there in recent years not recently no okay because I think it was was kind of all rebuilt and redone in like our final year which was the year 2000 we got to perform in like the foyer area of that with this um a physical devised piece uh i can't remember what it was but uh that was that was when yeah sarah was directing me and i was acting and yeah that yeah that was probably how it all happened and then she went to Mountview and did directing yeah. um, and i didn't get into drama school initially um, I applied for Welsh Call and I didn't didn't get in. Um, so I went back to Pembroke Dock and I worked in a call centre for a year, lived with my parents. And was that um, a bit like kind of you've had a taste of it and now you're back? Was that a bit dispiriting being back in Pembroke Dock? After having yeah, that's a good question. I don't think I felt dispirited because I always I viewed it as a temporary measure. Um, so even though I didn't get into Welsh Call that on that first try, um, I I think I reapplied pretty much straight away mm-hmm. uh, for the following year, and then I started applying for other drama schools. I think you had to pay thirty or forty pounds for an audition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just you know saving my money from the call centre and applying to different places left, right, and centre. Um, and then it, it took me three auditions to get into Birmingham School of Speech and Drama. Um, and I re- remember saying, if I don't get it, you know, like third time, if I don't do it this time, then I'm just going to, you know, leave it there and go and travel and work out what yeah. I want to do. Um, and by this point, I'd met my now husband, Dewi, who I also met in Aberystwyth, and he was going travelling that year. So it was kind of like, okay, if I get the letter saying I've got into drama school, then that's that will make the decision. If I don't, then we're going travelling. Mm. So he went travelling and I went to travel school. <laughs> what was the difference then between kind of Birmingham and Aberystwyth in terms of... Oh, uh, so the um, so I, the three years degree in theatre at Aberystwyth um, was fantastic, grand training, and I absolutely loved it. But of course, it was theatre studies. It was, it was a bit of everything, and, and it was... In the perfect grounding. The course I did at drama school was a one-year postgraduate diploma in acting. Right. Um, so it was. It was. I just felt like I, I couldn't believe you know that I got to study all aspects of performance and acting mm. every single day. Um, so for me, so you know, like fame, as in the musical fame. Yeah. <laughs> just jumping around doing the splits in theatre. I'd have this vision that one day I would get to do that, and I just. I embraced every single moment of it, and I felt so privileged to be able to go. Um, you know, I, I was so fortunate, and I just, I every single day I would get up and just think, this is 
amazing. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I can do this. So like just and like getting my head around the fact that like a voice, the voice course was split into so many different aspects of voice and how you know it was just so everything was so interesting to me. Everything I just loved. Um, And there were some. There were twenty of us on the the postgraduate Mm. course. And um, it's really interesting. I remember having conversations with some people saying, "Oh, you know, this is, this is, this is hard work, and and this and that, and oh, I'm I'm not going to dance tomorrow. I can't I can't be bothered to go for body conditioning at eight o'clock in the yeah. morning. You know, I I'll just skip it and do this. And I can believe it, you know. And I I mean, each to their own. I try not to judge people, but I always used to think, oh, I can't. I don't understand. Like I can't believe I'm here. I knew." that there were so many people, that, and maybe because I'd auditioned three times, so I knew it, it wasn't easy to get in. Um, so yeah. I just really valued it. Um, and I just, yeah, totally embraced every moment. If I could, yeah, if, if I could go back to one year in my life, I think it would be that year. <laughs> and coming out of that, coming out of that, finishing that, um, that year in Birmingham, was it a kind of a what do I do now kind of thing? What kind of how? Oh yeah, but it was a bit of a shock to the system. I mean, I was again, I was very fortunate that I managed to get an agent at the um, showcase. Mm. Um, so it was he was a London it was a London agent, but um, not like a really you know not not big company at all. Um, so. But it didn't matter because I could say I had an agent. I remember thinking, you know, people were like, oh, yeah, well, we've never heard of them. They're not, like, it doesn't matter. But actually, it did matter in some ways. I, you know, it, it gave me an extra step, didn't it, in some ways that some people would go, oh, she's got an agent. Okay, it doesn't really mean anything. But it did, it right. did to me, and I think it helped in some ways. Um, and did that and get you, me, did he, sorry. did they get you work off the record? Well, that's a good question. I was going to say, uh, yeah, they, um, yes, some some work, but then, of course, when I would get my own work back in Wales sometimes, then I'd still have to give them 10%, but that's how it works, I suppose, isn't it? But, um, yeah, it was, it gave, I think the best thing about having an agent for me, looking back on it now, was that it gave me a boost of confidence. It gave me that feeling that, as an actor, um, you know, somebody wanted me, and that's horrible. It feels awful to say that now, but at the time, I think it did mean a lot yeah. that I'd been chosen. You know, someone thought I was good enough. Um, and 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 I think as a young actor, I was always kind of trying to prove myself. I think maybe lots of actors have that feeling of, you know, wanting to, you know, desperate for the next job, desperate for yeah. the next break, even if it's just an audition. You know how how brilliant that feels. But you know, now I'm forty one and. Um, you know, having run my own theatre company and, and you know, still on the board, and things, I, I do look at it very differently with, you know, I'm much more interested now in in creating my own work. I think it's, yeah. it's only really kind of properly sunk into my brain and over the last five years or so that, you know, I want to make my own work and create my own career. Was that something that wasn't kind of drummed in here at drama school? Was it not encouraged? Um, don't that, do you know, I, I don't know. I think it was a very traditional route in lots of ways. It was expected that you would act scripts, mm. um, you know, like a TV module and a radio module, and that you would, you would 
you would learn how to be an actor so that you could get an agent and the agent would put you up for auditions, you would audition and you would get those jobs and then you, that would mean you were a working actor. That was like kind of how it was perceived. But yeah, maybe if I could rewind time, maybe it, it, they weren't really saying that, but that's what I thought it was. I think sometimes you can have like a, a preconception of what it's meant to be. And, mm. I, and I think when I was young, I, I didn't really understand understanding the idea of devising my own work or writing my own mm. stuff or anything like that I hadn't really you know I wasn't in that place I was quite happy to to say you know well I'll apply for this job and if somebody thinks I'm right for it then I will learn the script and stand where they tell me and do what they want mm. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think over time I really when I realized that actually you you as an actor you can play and you can try different things mm. and and it's not, and there's a lot more to to a creative career uh, in the creative industries than just doing that traditional. Yeah, I don't think that's kind of spoken about enough, even now, that you kind of got to do this if anything. Like you've got to be prepared to make your own work and be not just expect to be given the script. And do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah, yeah you're probably right. But I think it's also because lots of people tell you, like, although I said, you know, my family have been very supportive always of, of my, you know, idea of, of working in theatre or being an art, a creative artist or an actor. Yeah. Um, I think it was still always, you know, just like with this sort of, this, there was always doubt. And mm. again, maybe from, coming from, you know, deepest, darkest Pembrokeshire, again, it's like, well, you know, you might... You, you might not make it as an actor, so what's your backup plan? Yeah, yeah. I remember my teacher saying that uh, when I was in sixth form, and they said, you know, why don't you do joint honours, English and drama? I said I wanted to do drama, and they said, why don't you do English and drama? And I said, mm. well, because I want to do drama. And they said, well, yeah, but if you do English and drama, then if you don't make it as an actor, you can be a teacher. And I mm. said, but, right. So I was about to do that, and then my drama teacher said, what are you, you going to do? And I said, oh, I'm going to do English and drama, because... And he said, because I think, you know, I could be a teacher if I didn't be an actor, if I didn't become an actor. And he said to me, do you want to be a teacher? And I said, no, I want to be an actor. He said, well, why don't you just do drama? And I said, yeah, yeah I think I'll just do the thing I want to do. Why am I, you know, and I'm sure those English teachers had the best intentions. Um, but it wasn't you what know, you wanted to do. And yeah. 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 And of course, my mother was a primary school teacher, is, is a retired primary right. school teacher. So lots of people maybe associated me with mm. being a teacher like my mum, following in her footsteps, perhaps. But I just always had this clear idea in my head that one way or another, I would be performing and I would find a way mm. to do it. And, you know, touch wood, mostly that's worked. Yeah. I'm going to move on slightly. Okay. Um, you pioneered the theatre apprentice scheme in Slough with support from the Arts Council of England. Uh, first of all, how did you end up in Slough? Uh, what was this scheme and what kind of support did it give to the young people that you were working with? Yeah, so the um, apprentice theatre programme so if I remember correctly, um, 
there were two parts to that, unless they might have been different. Or this is where I need to probably check back with Sarah now because uh, she's much better at remembering these things. You're really testing my uh, memory here. <laughs> 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 Let's go back to something 2005 or something. But um, certainly 15 years. The first project we ever did was, was a device piece, but that wasn't Apprentice Theatre. The second year, we did a youth theatre production of the Threepenny Opera. And that was apprentice theatre in the sense that um, professional artists mentored uh, the young people um, throughout the project. So I was mentoring the stage manager, Sarah had an assistant director, mm. a young person, um, you know, so the, the choreographer had, you know, a, an assistant, oh, sorry, I turned off, an assistant choreographer, etc. But then after that, um, that summer we took... Um, a production, a one-hour production of The Winter's Tale to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Right. And that's when we really were able to, um, you know, try to test out this this way of working. Mm. So um, there were, you know, I think maybe five actors. Yeah, but I think it was five actors and then two apprentice actors, so two young people that hadn't you know, trained as professional actors like the mm. rest of us, but were being treated as, as young actors, um, you know, that w were being mentored by us as well. Um, trying to remember it more now, but, um, and yeah, stage manager. So, yeah, so basically that's how it worked. Um, I can't, re it was European funding, right. um, from what I can recall. Um, and how did I end up in Slough? Well, Sarah lived in Maidenhead in Berkshire and was working at Slough Young People's yeah. Centre. And that's where we set up Method for Mess. So that's how Method for Mess began. Um, so we were there, and we were two young women with lots of creative ideas, um, mm. saying yes to lots of things, and um, just going for it, really. Just making work however we could with whoever we whoever wanted us to do so, really. What kind of young people were you working with at that time? Kind of young people? Well, um, most of the young people at Slough Young People's Centre um, were wanting to be creative, mm. um, but all the courses were free, so it was really accessible for everybody mm. um, with different needs. Um, I would say perhaps a lot of them were disadvantaged in some way or other, okay. um, or um, marginalised. Um, we also worked with a theatre company, I, I don't think it's still going, I think it's I'm, I'm not sure, but it was called Piece of the Pie Theatre, and that was for young people with learning disabilities um, and without mixed uh, mm. mixed group. Um, so we worked in partnership with them um, a few times. Um, so yeah, and, and young offenders, we worked with um, Thames Valley University. So if there were like summer programs for young people to get involved in, we were we were running drama sessions for them. So often they'd be targeting. Um, specific groups of young people as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a, it was a mixed bag, and of course in Slough, you know, the it's really multicultural. So yeah. everybody, um, you know, they, they some of the young people were involved in one of the first projects we did where they described Slough as like a scrapyard where mm. um, every, there's just bits and pieces of different things all mixed in together into a wonderful melting pot of pot of wonderful people and places and mm. ideas. Um, and that's how the young people described it. But um, the so yeah, what kind of young people? I think everybody. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that's stuff. a bit of a strange question. When you, <laughs> when you, it's like 
but like with the issues of stuff like racism and things like that was there um, difficulties between different kind of communities of young people and kind of was it difficult to bring them together um, through the medium of being creative? I think we were lucky because Slough Young People Centre already existed, so it was a hub, so it mm. was a place that people already recognised, and this was kind of an offshoot project that we right. were, um, you know, delivering and, um, you know, pre pre presenting to people as an option. Um, but as I say, I think that the kind of young people it wasn't were the kind of young people who would normally go maybe to paid tap and ballet classes yeah. and have private singing lessons. We didn't really have, as far as I know, any young people that, you know, were able, whose families were able to pay for those things mm. for whatever reason. Um, or maybe they were, but they weren't interested in that. I don't, I don't know um, exactly, but I would say in lots of ways, similar to the young people that, that you, you know, like we have such a mixed bag of young people yeah. and they mess up every year. Um, and, and when you were, when you were a young person, it messed up, I mean... How would you describe it? <laughs> I, I, when you throw it back to me, it's difficult to kind of put it into words. Uh, yeah, it, but like, um, it, it was diverse, but um, there was always that thing of wanting to make stuff, wanting to be creative, wanting to develop ideas. When I was there, um, throughout the time I was there, um, I'm just wondering when you moved to to Ben Allen in 2007, was there was there a difference between was there a big difference between those two communities and working with those two communities? It is a good question, and I think that the simple answer would be yes. It was different because it was rural, and we were in a different country, and some people spoke Welsh. Um, but that's why I think, but actually in lots of ways, it was very similar. I mean, I mentioned earlier, I try not to judge people. I would like to think that I never judge people, but that's probably not true um, because I'm human and I just do my best. But um, I think um, actually young people that are looking for a creative outlet are everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just about creating, you know, when they say, you know, if you build it, they will come. And I literally, I remember walking around the streets of Burnhamman, you know, with flyers and um, going into the, the local secondary school and just saying, I'm doing this thing. If anybody wants to turn up at this place at this time. And we had like a handful of people and then a few more and then people would tell their friends. And, and that's kind of how it worked, works everywhere, I suppose, with the work that we do. Um, but yeah, starting from scratch in Burnhamman like that, I was, um, you know, you? And, and Sarah was living in New Zealand at the time. Did you feel kind of on your own without, like, a bit isolated without having Sarah there with you to start? Yeah, maybe, but I think, and Sarah would probably say the same, we were really, we found the, uh, the positive in her living in New Zealand because when I would go to sleep, um, she would wake up and start finishing off the bits of the funding application <laughs> and then she would go to sleep and I'd wake mm. up and carry on. Um, so, um, and of course, I don't know if whether Sarah talked about the Strangers Project on her podcast. Mm. Yeah, um, briefly. So that was, that was the next step for us, really, because we were in Slough for a couple of years and then I moved to Brynamon and my husband's from Gwaka Gwynn 
Um, so he's he's local, and um, so we we decided to sort of settle here. Um, and Sarah moved to New Zealand mm. for a couple of years, and the people of Slough said, "Did she say this?" They said, "Well, you know, we've got some more creative funding this year. What do you?" what are you going to do with it, sort of thing. And we said, well, we're going to live in these other countries. And they said, well, could you make that work relevant to the people <laughs> in any way? And we said, yes, of course we can. We'll mm. just go and work out how we do that. And then I think The Strangers Project really, really was a beautiful project that was such a massive learning curve for me and Sarah, the company, um, and also for all the young people involved, because there were Did. young people there in New Zealand, Slough, and Brynavon, all um you know skyping each other like we are now yeah, yeah. Blue, more of a delay <laughs> um who had never skyped um mm. we didn't we i'd never skyped before um and we you know we were just learning how to do an international youth theater project um and just we just decided that we could make it happen uh, and we did and the plays were written and performed um as a mixture of the three plays in different ways in the three countries and i think was that, that as a company. was that written by Dav as well? Or because no, Dav no, looked that was like... Stranger 2. That was what right. was in Click, which of course you yeah. were involved in Click. Um, so this was the first Strangers project. Um, so there were writers involved uh, supporting the young people with their ideas. Um, but no, at that point we hadn't met Dav. Um, so it was mainly devised work at this point. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of devising um, ideas from young people. We, there was a writer involved. I'm really sorry, I've forgotten his name. But there was a writer involved. Um, and I, d I think the young people in Slough, it was more devised. Mm. Um, okay. And then they had a, a Maori writer in, in New Zealand. And you appeared in quite a few of the kind of early Russ shows as an actor um was it difficult to work alongside young people in that context in having that sense of you know equality in the sense of you as a professional actor and then the young people having that kind of unity do you know what i mean i think i i think i know what you mean but i would say no i never found that difficult at all um and maybe because of the work we started doing on the Apprentice Theatre back in Slough mm. and at the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, and and I think I've always, you know, I just think there is such close parallels between youth theatre and theatre for young people and theatre with young people that could be either of those <laughs> things. Yeah, I just think that, to me, they're yes, I understand that they're different, but I also see that they're, they're so interconnected um, and in the way that Mess Up the Mess works as a company with young people, it's it's all they, mm. those lines are always blurred. Um, but only that sounds in a bad way. I mean, they're blurred in a in a really positive way. I I hope for the young people yeah. that it is about having some, you know, about kind of raising the stakes a little. That you know, for example, in Slough, um, there a young person had to drop out of one of the youth theatre shows because. Um, they they were working at Woolworths, I think, or Quick Save at the time. Shops that don't exist anymore, um, <laughs> and uh, they couldn't. They could. They were struggling with the amount of lines they mm. had as the main part, and um, they 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 just wanted to like drop out. They just stopped coming to rehearsal, right. and it was all getting 
you know what it's like in, in rehearsal. Yeah. Something's gone wrong and we really need this actor. So what we did was get um, a, a professional actor in to take on that role, but really encouraged and supported the young person to still be involved as, as, as a supported role. Um, yeah. And I think it really, and then the pressure was off that young person, but um, it was all done in a way that, actually it was about helping him and enabling him to still be part of the show but without having to have so much pressure but of course then when they saw the actor you know learning these reams of lines in like 24 hours just turning up on the first day of rehearsal and just you know getting on with mm. it i think it was quite a turning point for lots of the young people as well but for all of us to kind of go okay there are pros and cons um to working with professional actors um, you get so much authenticity uh, when you're working with a young person who mm. is, you know, sharing their voice maybe for the first time or um, expressing themselves um, creatively and feeling that sense of freedom and, and how much, like I've been talking about, how much I love to, to perform. Um, you know, that you don't have to be trained to be a professional actor. No. Because that's what I'm trying to say. I think um, for me, working alongside young people, it, you know, I learn as much from, from their from energy them. as I hope from some of my training. That, that's really, really good to hear. And I think, you know, I think it was, it's a good way for them to learn from people like you and professional actors and vice versa in these shows, um, which I know that most of them's done less in recent years, but they've started to do more of them in the last couple. Um, and is there is there one project from your time in Mass-Up that uh, stands out most strongly for you? Oh, gosh. Uh, oh, that's a really hard question. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, cruel. Um, okay, so let me whittle it down. Uh, should I choose something that I acted in? Well, I mean, I did. I mean, something that you worked on that you kind of felt. Okay, right. Okay, the first thing that jumped into my head had to has to be um, the queer Christmas project. Mm. Um, did, did you get to see that? On yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. that. So, so just on the back of what you just said about you know, thinking about apprentice theatre and the, uh, the way mess up works, I suppose that was a really strong example of, I know it's not that recent, 2016, I think it was 2016, no, 2013, gosh, it is quite a long time ago, isn't it? Uh, and I'm sure there's, there's definitely, definitely been things since then, but um, for me, that was a moment where um, I was able to, I mean, Beth and Marlow um, is a fantastic mm. um, theatre maker, facilitator, writer, um, and her background is in acting, you know, she originally trained as an actor. Right. So she, uh, working with Bethan was fab, um, but she was very clear that I had to um, only be an actor. I couldn't do, like, the office work of being a youth arts manager at the same time. She's quite right. straight. Right. <laughs> just, I need you 100% as an actor. Um, and Alid Pedrick was um, was directing and acting. Oh, fab. Um, and Beth Amalo then was directing the community actors. Right. So what, like how we would normally talk, as we have been about um, the youth theatre actors or young actors then. Um, but this was community, as in young actors and 
older actors from the communities of the LGBTQI plus um, community of Swansea um, get getting training then from Beth Ann and me on a Wednesday night as facilitators mm -hmm. and directors for the rest of the time I was acting. But I mean, I think that project I loved so much because you know it all seemed to fit together like a jigsaw. I mean, there was even food art. There was you know if you wanted to do no, food art. Uh, you could get involved in, in, in design. I remember seeing, I remember like, the way it looked, like on Swansea Street, just this, it was just a really lovely, I really enjoyed that piece. It's yeah. just the whole community that, feel of it as well. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really warm and fuzzy feel to that show. I mean, it was Christmas as well, which yeah. really makes you feel warm and fuzzy. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, there was dancing in the street, there was lots of things, there was lots of, um, you know, fantastic mm. um, spectacle, uh, but there was also some really hard-hitting and beautiful mm. writing from the community, and I think Bethan had immersed herself so much in the work with the community over the weeks and months uh, before and during and after, actually. I mean, we had a choir, we had a choir group, we had a dance group, you know, the writers group, there were so many ways that people could get involved. Um, I think it's quite a strong, lots of Messer and Messer's work is like that, and it still is, and that's, that's just how yeah. we do it. But I think that's a really clear example of, and you know, it was, um, it, it, I mean, as you said, it was in the street, it was in the shops, mm. it, was, it was everywhere, it was at theatres literally spilling out onto the streets, which I think is yeah. always it. It's wonderful when that can happen. And you, um, you kind of um, left in inverted commas. Mess in 2015. What were your, what were your kind of ambitions upon leaving, quote the company, and going on to do more work out on on the outside? Then really, I like the way you're doing the the leaving in, in quotation marks. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't actually left because, as I mentioned earlier, I'm still on the board of directors as a volunteer, and I still regularly work as a freelancer for them as a facilitator. And as you mentioned last week, as an actor in the online streaming mm. of young people's new writing, which was really exciting. Um, so it's lovely to still be involved. So I don't, I, I, I'll, I'll query it. I, I don't think I've ever le actually left. Right. But I, I did definitely step down from my role as youth arts manager, to mm. be clear. I think that's the main thing um, that I needed to do at the time. I think mm. I I had this, um, you know, I had an idea that I, I needed to focus on my own um, personal creative journey for for some time, for, for a change or for a you know, just I, it was just it was an urge, it was a need that yeah. it felt the time was right. Um, and yeah, so what did I do? I went and uh, the first thing I saw was a job on Job Centre Plus uh, saying part-time activities coordinator in a care home. And I yeah. thought, oh well, if I just do that little job while I work out how to be a freelance artist and how to you know, kind of not start from scratch, but you know, be on my own again with my own you know, name on my work or, um, yeah. you know, where am I taking this and where am I going? Because I think, yeah, I was kind of looking for this new direction. Um, and, yeah, so then I worked at the care home. I ended up working there for two and a half years. Um, right. I mean, and I absolutely loved it. So, um, I mean, in my time at the care home, um, what started as, yeah, just a temporary idea um, became 
you know, a, a, a real shift and change. It was exactly what I needed to be doing, I think. Um, what, so what kind of work were you doing um, in the So in I was the an activities coordinator, right. part-time activities coordinator. So uh, for me, yes, I, I mean, it did mean uh, organising the bingo or organising a quiz or organising a trip to have an ice cream at the beach or mm. um, things like that. But what, of course, as you can imagine, because you know me, fairly well um, it became more of a an arts activities course yeah so any uh, i i just feel personally that you know the art all of those things are very valid and important and we continue them uh, that all the time i was there but yeah i would i found it much easier to um for me to kind of what's the word excel uh, at um involving people in artistic and creative um activities so for example uh, the residents i used to sing a lot with the residents i've mm. always sung i don't think i talked about that much but like i was in the church choir in the school choir in the county choir yeah. and i've always sung solos at people's weddings and things as a child and in adult life um and i love to sing um so i would just be singing away and we'd have a bit of you know we just go oh we'll have a sing song we'll have a sing song and it was sort of down key low key you know, downplaying it, oh, and we just we do end up having a lovely time. Um, but of course, I was also booking entertainers to come in and sing mm. for the residents as well. And most of the residents were aged um, in their 80s and 90s, some in their 60s and 70s, and some with dementia and living with dementia and some without. Um, so, uh, you know, it was mainly older people. Um, and a lot of the songs that I've been singing in Pembroke Dock in all those uh, shows I was telling you about at the yeah. start of this interview, um, I just remember all the words, Kieran. I don't, don't ask me how or why, but a lot of the words to Vera Lynn songs and, um, you know, old music hall yeah. songs or musicals, um, I just seem to know all the songs. So I just start singing them, people would join in and we'd have a wonderful time. Um, and as I say, I was booking people to come in and then, of course, the penny dropped that we were paying these people to come in and and perform and and do music yeah. shows, and then one day the penny dropped. Actually, that's what I could be doing, um, you know, all all the time because I loved it so much. Yeah. Um, and also one of the residents, well, a group of the residents there, you know, we were having these sing songs, and one of them said, "Well, you know what we should do? We should have a choir. We should have a residence choir." Mm. And I said, "Yeah, let's have a choir." <laughs> And it's still going, I mean, up until lockdown, it's still yeah. going. Um, and it had been running then, well, since I've been there quite a while, so probably three and a half years or so now, they've had their choir, and we've done uh, concerts in the lounge and in the garden at the summer fates and things. Um, I've been, um, I've now got, um, so when, so yes, so then I left uh, Mayflower, and, um, but I kept going back fortnightly to, to run the choir and to do a performance for them and I would always be in costume and I would always yeah. set it in a um, an era so I called myself Perry Lynn uh, rather than just Perry or Perry Thomas or my married name Perry Waxter um, because uh, one of the ladies um, that lived there said that I should have a, a better name than Perry Thomas right. so she didn't think it was Perry because I know that is my name so Perry Lynn like Vera Lynn yeah is that where it came from
singing route. Oh, oh. Um, so I've been doing that now for two years, um, and I've got five residence choirs in different care homes across South and West Wales. Wow. And if lockdown hadn't happened, um, the virus hadn't happened, uh, the plan was that this summer, um, perhaps in Pontegala Arts Centre, we'd be able to get two or three of the wow. choirs together to do a maybe a fundraiser um, or some kind of community event. But, you know, that'll just be postponed. It won't be cancelled. Yeah. Uh, and what is the impact that it has on the residents? What impact do you see? Uh, it, I, you know, it's massive. And it's not because it's me. But it, I think it's because of my um, experience in, in working with different people. Yes, young people, but also members of the community. Um, also people that might not have always had access to the arts in different ways you know yes there will be some yeah. old ladies or gentlemen older ladies and gentlemen that will um you know think oh it's lovely it's very you know love wish i could go to the theater but this is like having the theater having someone come and sing in a costume with a lovely uh microphone and a, and a, a sort of um theatrical manner shall we say an introduction and it, you know and yes. making people feel included and involved um so there's that but it, i think it's also because of my facilitation over throughout most of my creative career so I can I've I've discovered through through experience now in different care homes that actually I can use facilitation skills to um, encourage different people to get involved so I mean I often think there's lots of similarities between a young person in a youth club who just wants to be on their phone and isn't interested in getting involved in the drama workshop at all uh, does ring bells with me when there's someone perhaps living with dementia who is completely not interested in this idea yeah. and then when the song starts you know you just can't get them off the microphone um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and suddenly we're all happy yeah. we're all lifted we're all engaged the staff get involved people are up dancing people who are asleep were asleep in their chairs will will get involved um you know, I mean, obviously there must be times and there must be moments when people think, oh God, shut up, we don't want music now, <laughs> or they're maybe not feeling very well or they're not very happy. Mm -hmm. But generally, I would say 99% of the time, people will come together through the medium of music yeah. and songs that they like and songs that they know. And that's a lovely thing, just bringing people together through that medium and giving them, you know, a way that they can come together and that communal thing. I think yeah. is really important. Yeah. Uh, my last question is, um, what advice would you give to someone who is just starting out in the industry? Or what, what would you, what advice would you like to have been given? probably comes back to what we touched upon about halfway through this interview um, about being brave enough confident enough in yourself and your your belief in yourself to, to go out and do things try things and not to not to rely on other people to bring things to you if you go out and get them or go out and look for them you're going to have much more chance of getting involved in something and the worst that can happen is there aren't any opportunities at that time but then you've got to just pick yourself up and go out and try again and it might be that time mm -hmm. and you never know when you do 
I mean, you hear it all the time, but when someone, you know, you meet somebody or you've networked with somebody and then, it, you know, it comes up again. I mean, actually, in Morrison's, uh, only a couple of days ago, um, one of the girls that does, she's a picker packer like me, yeah. and she said, um, she said, are you Perry from Mess Up the Mess? <laughs> 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 yes, I'm wrong, actually. Uh, thinking, gosh, I was like racking my brains trying to think who she yeah. was. I didn't recognise her. She said, oh, no, you don't know. I said, oh, I'm trying to think. She said, no, no, we haven't met, she said. But I know this girl, she was doing a shop in here last week, and she mentioned that you work here because she'd been talking to you. And um, anyway, it turned out that she'd been doing a project with young carers, I think, in Swansea. I think it was that, uh, in the YMCA or somewhere. Um, yeah. Or it might have been a different project. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, but she was saying, oh, I, I love Mess at the Mess, and I, I, you know, this is amazing. And it's so, good. so I just think, you know, there's, you never know when something's going to, I don't know, like, I don't know what will happen there, but it was just an example of those moments where further down the line, there's a connection and somebody goes, yeah. well, I know someone who does that, or I, I, I know someone who's doing that, and, you know, oh, you know so-and-so, ask them. And, and it just opens up opportunities. That, you know, networking is I think it's a horrible word, really, and it can be a bit daunting, yeah. particularly, I think, when you're first starting out, you think, oh, God, how do I network? I mean, how do I even do that? Um but I think, yeah, there was a there was a lad in drama school with me as well who um, hadn't done drama in any of his life up until going to drama school. He'd done like a business degree and he'd never really been to the theatre, wasn't interested. But someone took him to see a play in his last year of, of uh, business studies. Yeah. And he absolutely loved it. And he went and applied for drama school. He got wow. in and, and he just, he'd, all the way through his course and ever since, uh, we're still good friends. Um, he has always had this real, just positive business mm. attitude towards his work. He, he totally believes that, you know, if he just talks to people and knows people, then he'll, he'll have more chances of jobs. And he's right. And, and yeah. you might see it. I think I'm often, I, I think, oh, you know, does it come across as, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit cocky or I'm a bit arrogant, you know, I don't, but no, it doesn't. You just, you just, it's about talking to people. It's about you know, connecting with people, making yeah. those connections, um, you know, and you just never know then what's down the what's line. What's going to come along or what opportunity, what's going to happen really. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, you know, even though funding is sparse at times or you think, oh, well, you know, in those days you had this and now you don't, but there's always something and there's always ways of and means of people getting together with ideas and making stuff happen. So I think, yeah, that would be my advice. You know, just try things out, get involved, and if you're able to, you know, just do a mini trial of something, just try it. Thank you, Perry. It's been fab talking to you. Oh, and you. Um, I will catch you on the next episode in lockdown of In Lockdown with. Thank you for listening, and bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown with. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.